Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It is episode number 426 here on Star Wars Day 2022. It's KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios. We got a lot to dive into uh, between all of these teams uh, from the Phillies, the Sixers, the Eagles, and the Flyers finally putting a nail in their season's coffin. Um, hearing myself, there we go. Uh, and of course we'll get into survivor as well after an absolutely emotional and cultural roller coaster of an episode last week, um, which made for just another great discussion about just real world life. And we'll get into all of that as well. But before we get started, Make sure you guys are following us on the socials at UndergroundPHI on Twitter, Instagram. Follow Matt on Twitter at MattCastArena. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feeds, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Of course, leave those five-star ratings and reviews. It helps more people find the show. Helps us climb those charts in Armenia. All that good stuff. Uh, so subscribe on Apple and Spotify, and of course subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. Full video episodes go up the following day after we record all of our shows. So hit the like button, the bell icon, so you don't miss a single video. And of course leave those comments in the comment section and get the conversation flowing over on YouTube. Big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen: Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot Security Twenty One Security Systems. Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, who just patched up a hole in CFO Margie's tooth. <laughs> you, love to, you love to see it. You love to see it. Uh, and of course, Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. You guys can go to TomahawkShades.com. Summer's right around the corner. We're three weeks out from Memorial Day weekend. Get your Tomahawk Shades ready to rock and roll and use our code USP at checkout for 25% off your entire order at tomahawkshades.com kenwood beer philadelphia's favorite light lager go to kenwoodbeer.com and use the kenny tracker to see who's got kenwood beer on tap in the philadelphia area you got to be 21 or older to do so and of course please drink responsibly what's going on matt living the dream you know uh which disappointing team do we start with first the the now down one nothing to the miami heat in the eastern conference semifinals or the Phillies who just still continue to lose games. Let's go with the Phillies. Um, I feel like it's less of an issue because we know what's wrong with the Phillies, right? And it's like, less, and it's still it's, relatively early. It's less ex- existential as yes. well. Uh, it doesn't feel quite as uh, quite as pressing of an issue. You know, they sweep the Rockies, and you're thinking, "Wow, this team feeling is, great. This team is back. This is what we should have been doing." He split with the Mets, not awful. Uh, then he dropped to the Rangers. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there you go. That's that's the Phillies for you. Um, I just, I don't know what it is. This team just can't put together any kind of consistency. Um, They're consistent at being inconsistent. They've won two series this year, so which is miserable. <laughs> and the, both of them are against teams that they will be won. finishing in the bottom, bottom part of the baseball standings this year in the Athletics and Rockies. So, against against actual quality opponents, this team has not performed well, which is a, a huge red flag, I think, for, for everyone involved. Yeah, 100%. And I think when it comes down to it, the, the thing that this team needs to do is, like, 
it's not like like we talked about it last week when we were talking about just like being patient at the plate. They continue to just start swinging at early pitches. They're not being patient at the plate, and like we said, they're inconsistent because one night the pitching will be there, and then the next night the hitting will be there, but they're not on the same page at the same time, and that's what's killing them. Like we said in our our preseason predictions, I I personally said if this Phillies team wants to go on a deep run, Zach Eflin's got to be the guy. He has been the biggest disappointment one month into the season. He's gone six innings one time this year. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's like you took all the bad NOLA days from last season and condensed them into this early part of the season. Yeah. Like they've calcified into this just – and it's tough, you know, because there, are like, there were warning signs with those mm-hmm. performances last year. But I think you could – I think there was a lot of leeway given, not unfairly, to a lot of players – you know, based off of the circumstances and everything, and but it's it's not been great. If that's and you know we were worried just about pitching overall, uh, but we felt pretty secure in at least Wheeler and Nolan. You know, we knew that we were not going to get the season that we got out of Wheeler last year. That was right. a just like unreal performance, and like it was throwing a ton too. Like played so many innings, and ultimately to his downfall because that's why he doesn't win the Cy Young, which is stupid. Um, like a guy that a guy that could go forty more innings is like somehow worse for some reason. I yeah, don't understand. Why don't we just start giving Cy Youngs to guys that pitch twenty innings and are just amazing yeah, why in those twenty innings? I mean, it's clearly yeah, whatever. Old news. <laughs> Old news. Um, and we knew Wheeler was gonna, for lack of a better term, struggle coming into this year because he had the shoulder injury in the off season, and then condensed spring training didn't give him enough time to ramp up. But we've seen him progress as the season's gone on and he's looked more and more like himself nola's i think has been pretty damn good he's just not getting run support again which is typical aaron nola he's the new cole hamels of this franchise which is much i mean it's tough though because when you look at this team and who they're they're really scoring runs against it hasn't been against the quality opponents either Mm -hmm. uh this has been a team that has been like flat track bullying a little bit when when they had the chance to run it up against you know the rockies of the world and one game against the Marlins, they've done that. But you know, look at it. Look at how they performed against the Mets, like offensive wise. It hasn't been good. It, it hasn't like, you know, twice now they've been shut out by the Mets. They got they got no hit by the Mets. I mean, that's just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's not good. That's not good enough for a team that was leaning heavily into offense. I know you're gonna have off nights. You can't get like community no hit. That's that's tough. That's a tough look. That's tough for the brand, especially with Tyler McGill being the guy yeah. to to kick things. That's the second time he's made this Phillies team look like a utter embarrassment. This well, year. Tyler McGill's looked nice this year too, though. Like, which in is general. insane. <laughs> like, and that's what's stupid about the Mets is they do have a habit now of the last few years of like they just find another arm that mm-hmm. like grows into something really nice, and it must be cool. <laughs> must be nice. <laughs> it must be so cool to have good player development. It must be a really really cool thing, but. I said they have to be able to they have to go four and two on this homestand against the Rangers and the Mets. Like you gotta, I said you should have swept this Rangers team because they've been off to such a, a yeah. slow start and they don't have pitching that you should have been able to out hit them. And then you got to take three or four from the Mets because the the annoying part about this year's schedule too is that you only have six more games against the Mets after this four game series the yeah. rest of the season. They, they condensed so many games early on against them that it didn't get spread out, you know, through July, August, September when the Mets could be bad potentially and the Phillies could be riding hot. You're seeing the Mets when they're at their best right now and then you only have six more games against them. The only thing I would, I would change about what you just said is they could be bad potentially in uh, in late – I mean, let's be honest. They will. We know – we've seen this film before. We know where it's going. But, yeah, it's – for me, it's, it's all about just the performances against – the Mets that have been upsetting because that is they are the litmus test whether we like it or not mm-hmm. of this division and you're gonna I mean you have to beat them to win the division you yeah. just have to <laughs> like um and the Phillies have not looked capable of really doing that they've stolen a game or two but this is not it has not been largely what you would hope for right um this past series was better but still not great not not where you want to be and yeah, you should be beating the Rangers. Like if if you want to be a playoff team, that's it. You know, so like this they're in the basement of the AL West. This this mess series coming up now is is crucial. 
it's and it's crazy to say that so early in the season but we've talked year upon year now when you get to August and September and you look back at the schedule look at these these losses or these runs that this team went on and it's so frustrating because you know you're talking about four or five games difference mm-hmm. and you know you let you let some of these like bad performances just clog up the loss column for you early in the year and it's just it sucks like that Rocky series I can tell you right now we're gonna look when, back on that when in we were September. in Colorado and it'll be like stupid like just a week and a half later we sweep them at home. like what's the difference if anything yeah. like you know we should have done what we did at home in Colorado right this, this team just defies uh science and law which is you know what fair enough and those are the series that we'll look back on in September and be like, oh, look, we would have won two of those games out in Colorado. We would have been in the playoffs or, you know, things like that. And it just drives you nuts. Speaking of the Rockies, though, Matt, I don't know if you saw this uh, viral tweet from a friend of the program, Susie Hunter. The Rockies uh, video board for their game notes put up uh, a life pro tip. Uh-oh. And this is what it reads. Don't put up with anyone who is reckless with your heart. Life will be dramatically better if you don't pay mind uh, to any heartbreaker, unless it's the pet, unless it's that Pat Benatar song or the Mariah Carey song or the Led Zeppelin song. So to sum up, song from Heartbreaker equals okay. Real life Heartbreaker, tell him to scram. Okay, <laughs> I think was that at home. That's at home. I'm assuming that was at the Rockies. So the Rockies studio. love doing stuff like that to like drum up interest. Yes. Uh, sometimes the bottom third of MLB becomes. A minor league team and that they have to like you gotta have a nice social media presence and you gotta have like fun uniforms you know to get people engaged so the rockies are like we got a bunch of like 25 year olds slinging three dollar course lights at the games why not come see a rockies game please like really please please can you come do that please or eleven thousand people last night please someone should <laughs> need engagement on this so that sparked the question on on the twitter machine uh, well, if you were in control of a video board for your favorite team, what would you put on the video board? Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of expletives probably. <laughs> I'd probably just be very rude about the other team and what I would, what I would say about them. And I would play a lot more of those clips where they ask the f- players like their favorite yes. movie or whatever. I would play like say a baseball game is three hours, <clears throat> at least an hour and 10 minutes is clips of that. Um, and then I would probably play like the final outs of uh, of 2008 World Series. I'd probably mix in uh, Tom Brenneman's "There's a Drive Deep to Left" by Castellanos anytime Nick came up to bat. Yeah, which allegedly I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the reason Nick Castellanos was scratched the other night, his wife gave birth to another baby. Yes, I have him on fantasy. Uh, so so. Shouts, shouts to Nick and Jess. Um, I saw his mom tweeting about well, it. Well, I got nervous because it you know, gives you the little designation next to yeah. him. And I was like, oh, what happened? And I clicked on it. It's like, oh, he's a scratch because his wife gave birth. I was like, sick. He is back in the lineup tonight. Nice. So, uh, we have a nice one-two punch. And you know what? We saw this with Bryce. Dad strength. Dad strength. <laughs> so be on the lookout for that. We have a great one-two punch leading off the game tonight. It's very on brand, Matt. Alec Bohm yeah. is leading off. And then Nick Castellanos hitting second. Yeah, Alec Bowen being sacrificed to the leadoff hitter. Uh, <laughs> Shows hitter you where God. we are on um, May 4th. <laughs> the lamb that was promised being slaughtered <laughs> early in the spring. <laughs> you hate to see it. Oh, You hate to see it. Could be worse. We could, I mean, it could always be worse. We could be the Nationals in terms of run differential. Yeah. Which shout out be, to yeah. Pickup for playing the run differential game with us at playpickup.com. Uh, you guys can play along with us month-long, month-by-month, or full season-long for the NL East Run Differential at playpickup.com. Earn points on your fan profile, cash them in for prizes on the pickup marketplace. Go to playpickup.com now and start playing those headlines. Somehow the Phillies have the second-best run differential in the in the division. Which is, I think, an indictment on the division. I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah, so if, if we're just reading through here. Mets. Plus 38. Uh, Marlins at plus four. The Phillies are plus six. Positive and in the month of May. Thank you, Rockies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Braves minus 15. Yikes. And uh, Nationals minus 25. Something tells me the Braves will start to uh, uptick now that one Ronald Acuna Jr. is back. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that. I mean, the Braves, you know, struggled a little bit, but. Yeah. You know, the, I think, too, like. 
it's a weird they you lose Freeman and you replace him and I, I just think there's some some gelling to do there. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, let's not forget too. It's not like the Braves were outstanding in the regular right. season last year either. They won eighty eight games. Yeah. So which I mean is still good, but like that's, right. that's they typically not your you know, World Series world beater. Right. But I mean also in baseball it's stupid where the team that wins like hundred and two games does not win the World Series. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's just you don't want to be you really I I would actually love to pour through that sometime across all major sports like the best record. I know it was always a thing in hockey if mm-hmm. you won the president's trophy, it's like, well you're not winning the cup this year. So there it is at least. Break you the get curse, that. Florida. Break yeah. it. <laughs> um I think it has been broken. But yeah, like it was just I remember growing up it was constantly a thing. I, I do believe I think it was it's a been team. like the straight f- the f- like five years in a row now since twenty seventeen, it's been a thing again. Yeah. I mean, it's just. I'm. It's also because you get to the randomness of playoffs. Yeah. And you also get especially to like the NHL. Much hot, like harder matchups, and you can just get a bad matchup too. Even and just. Um, or you have three overtimes like the Rangers and Penguins. <laughs> so yeah, man, it's tough. I used to love hockey. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, what a sentence! But you know, playoff hockey especially is like amazing. So I used to love it, and now it's like the thought of it makes me disinterested yes. <laughs> so thank you flyers for uh for torpedoing my love of hockey very cool of you <sighs> so disappointing at least we're not the reds either only three wins on the season well they can go somewhere else to watch their games so <laughs> at least nick castellanos got out of that hell hole um but speaking of the flyers they put a, a nail in this hell of a season that they had uh it also brought to uh and then the mike yo era and I believe it was Sam Morin. Well, so, yeah, Sam Morin had to retire due to injuries. I, I just wanted to say it's actually been since 2013 oh, the wow. last team to win the the um, President's Trophy. Um, that also won the Stanley Cup. That was the Blackhawks in 2013. But I mean, yeah, there was a stretch from 09 to 12 as well, where uh, no one no one won it, and then 03 to 07 it was a decent stretch. But damn, yeah, it's almost a decade now. Yeah, I mean, I I was, I I had thought that in recent years it had been a little a uh, little better, but it's actually the worst it's been, ever. Like not ever, but going back to 1986, that's what this article was. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work and with the rise of streaming platforms new tv shows and movies are popping up every single week and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch well that's where streamer season comes in the exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for tv and movies on the underground sports philadelphia podcast network join me kb and a plethora of our hosts right here at usp breaking down all the new tv and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. So ipso facto, if you're an NHL franchise, don't win as many games as some of the other teams. Right, you know, like, just lose a game at the Go end of the season. Go for the two seed. Because, yeah, there's nothing wrong with being a strong two. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing. Uh, Mike Yo gone, Sam Morin retires, and Ryan Ellis, I think, started his courses at the Bryce Harper School for pandering to Philadelphia fans. Yeah, uh, it helps if you played more than, like, four games. I think that um, that helps. You know, Bryce had the uh, bonus of actually performing. Yeah. And I think and in a team that at least had hope, and this Flyers team has no hope. Now, I mean, listen, now you get to... To like root for the draft, I guess. You know, we got a we got a draft. There. We got a draft lottery to look forward to. Haven't had to haven't had those in a little bit. So you know what? Fair enough. I did see somebody's take uh saying that Buffalo and, and Vegas with the Jack Eichel trade, the pick is top ten protected for Vegas. So somehow uh the NHL is gonna fix it so that Vegas gets into the lottery and the Flyers get bumped out. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> uh so I'm gonna do I'm you know what? Drafting the lottery right now. Here we go. Here we go. Simming the lottery around Tankathon. Uh, Flyers then move down one spot in the fifth, and the Islanders move up ten spots in the third. It goes Montreal, Arizona, Islanders, Seattle, Philadelphia. Don't love that. Actually, actually hate that so much. So, hey, fifth ain't bad though. All right, we're gonna do one more spin. Yeah, let's do, 
That was a test run. Oh, it's even worse. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's even worse. Flyers moved down to six. Ottawa, Anaheim, Montreal, Arizona, Seattle, Philly on that one. Jeez. Yikes. All right. We're done. <laughs> Do you th- third time's a charm? All right. Third time's a charm. Roll it. Philadelphia's back in five. Okay. Buffalo goes up to one, though. Buffalo, Montreal, Arizona, Seattle, Philly. Don't love any of that. I feel like we as Philadelphia fans have been cursed with getting the number two pick. So as long as we avoid that. Yeah. Well, the number two, the last number two pick was uh, Patrick Nolan. Nolan Patrick. Nolan Patrick. <laughs> Why did I just call him Patrick Nolan? Like Nolan I was, Patrick. Like Carson I was reading Wentz. him off the roster. It was like Patrick, comma, Nolan. Um, Carson Wentz. Uh, yeah. Evan Turner. Yeah. Can't uh, think of anybody else. Number two overall. Not that I can fully remember. I mean, Donovan McNabb, but that, one, out. that one's the only one that really worked out in the end. Worked out, all right. Yeah, so you know what? Looking like five for the Flyers this week, at least. We'll, we'll be back next week for our, our NHL Draft Lottery Simulator. Shout out to Tankathon, man. Nostalgia on this. Let's, let's do a little NBA one just while we're here. Why not? Uh, <laughs> the Pelicans getting the number <laughs> one pick with the Pelicans, Wizards, Orlando, Detroit. Rounding out your top four. The, the Pelicans getting the number one overall pick would be wild. I mean, it would have been via the Lakers, um, which would also be hilarious. Yes. Because it <laughs> very well could have been. <laughs> oh, well. Hey, they, they, got a, they got a title out of it. They'll live. Man. New segment. NHL Draft Simulator. There you go. Tankathon, if you want to roll through and sponsor it. <laughs> I remember Tankathon would always talk about how, like, they would, uh, I guess they could, like, see, like, where in the country people, you know, uh-huh. were, like, using their, and they said Philly was consistently, <laughs> like, the number one. I still like, use year it. Like, year-round. Like, year-round. I use it because it's nice because sometimes you forget draft orders. Draft orders, and, and it's also, like, an easy way of seeing, like, who owes picks to who. Yeah. Um, not, a, not, a, a, not a sponsor. Not an ad. But, you know what? We could change that yeah. if you'd like. I use them a lot for the NFL draft this year. Yeah keeping up with everything and seeing mock drafts and stuff it's helpful um, very helpful speaking of the nfl man aj brown baby he's already thrown out first pitches at phillies games yep taking pictures well, of bryce harper he got, he got bryce sent him the text oh wait, maybe it's like a really fancy like it comes on a silver platter like it's like a courier service shows up it's like, this is delivery for you, sir. So he just opens it. It's Bryce, and it's just a manual. It's like, here's all you got to do. Welcome here's to you, the club. Here's how you hit Welcome to Philly. Here's how to make these mongrels love you forever. Because <laughs> they're simple-minded folk. <laughs> um, amazing. Amazing stuff. Um, great draft, especially first round. is fantastic. I, you know, listen, I went to bed. I uh, didn't even stay up for the Eagles pick because it was like already 930. I was like, this is just not. And... You know, I, I, I had watched the Sixers game. They were comfortably beating the Raptors. I was like, all right, I can sleep peacefully. You know, like, <laughs> I can just, I can actually just go to bed and not, like, stress. Um, so I woke up to the A.J. Brown news. I, would, I didn't even react to it live. Um, and, and when you consider, too, Marquise Brown gets traded for a, really the same package. Yeah. If not even a slightly more expensive. Um, Pretty nice. <laughs> pretty nice. Pretty nice. Because, you know, if you're if you're asking me to evaluate A.J. Brown or Marquise Brown, it's A.J. Brown all the way. Every, every time. day. And twice on Sundays. Yes. Uh, we'll be wearing number 11, making him the best number 11 in Eagles franchise history. Um, again, just I, I talked about the draft a little bit on Sunday show, and I'm still blown away with how well Howie Roseman and company drafted this year. Yeah, it's always good when the uh, like neutral national media too is praising the Eagles draft, which has not happened a lot. Um, There's really only two drafts in my lifetime that I truly remember like they hit the nail on the head for more than two picks. It was 2012 when they got Fletcher Cox, Michael Kendricks, Vinnie Curry, Nick Foles, and it was a bunch of the Super Bowl core guys. Mm-hmm. And then 2018, all but one of those guys is still on the roster with Dallas Goddard, Avante Maddox, Jordan Mailata. Uh, Josh Sweat, and then Matt Pryor was was here, and now he's a full time starter for the Indianapolis Colts. So like, yeah. hit the nail on the head across the board there. And now on paper, you get, you know, AJ Brown for basically a first round pick. Um, 
you draft one of the most freakishly athletic humans in Jordan Davis. You get his best friend in Nicobe Dean in the third round. You let Jason Kelsey scout and pretty much pick his successor. And then you get a couple depth guys later on in the draft at linebacker and at tight end. Yeah. Addressed a lot of needs as well. Um, I wonder, you know, A.J. Brown's fit is going to be interesting because he's like a physical over-the-middle receiver, Mm -hmm. and that is like not where Jalen Hurts throws the football. Um, But that's definitely like, you know, Jalen Hurts is, if this experiment, this is the last year, and you're able to, and, you know, also they had the Saints uh, pick next year, um, which could still be fruitful. Like the Saints are not, (laughs) not a team that like, if you ask me to bet right now, if that's a top 15 pick rather than a pick in the 20s, you know, like I'm I'm thinking more likely a top 15 pick. I don't yeah. think that roster is amazing. No. They have a, Even I, with Tyron Matthew. A lot of questions. I mean, Tyron Matthew is also not amazing. No, I a young chicken. Yeah. Not like a, a needle mover in that sense. Like, wow. It's not like they got like Jalen Ramsey, right. you know, like where there's this huge difference maker. But yeah, you know, so... You'll have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith for a potential, maybe they trade up to draft a rookie in 2023 or, you know, we get another veteran quarterback carousel again. This this draft kind of told me the Eagles are, are making Jalen Hurts their guy. I think they're, I think they're making Jalen Hurts or his replacement the guy. I, I still think Jalen Hurts can, but... He has to. It's he has to do it this year because this was kind of like a, trading for AJ Brown, who you know obviously comes out. He and Jalen Hurts are best friends and everything. That was kind of a move where it's like, oh, okay, Jalen Hurts has some say in you know roster construction almost, where you didn't really know what his role was in terms of like getting guys here and you know the whole off season cry for help was oh nobody wants to play with Jalen Hurts and then he goes and you know helps execute this move to go get one of his best friends. They've been training together all offseason, him, A.J. Brown, and Devontae Smith. Um, and, I mean, if if Jalen Hurts didn't have some say in roster construction and kind of with front office decisions, I would say, okay, this is potentially his last year, but I think they're going to try to ride it out for more than just this season. Uh, maybe. Maybe. That's just my guess. From- I, I just think there's a very real reason why they were keeping 2023 draft options open. And oh, 100%. Adding, adding picks there. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder, too, if even... Like, they traded up, and you think... It really did feel like that was a an attempt, perhaps, at Jamison Williams. Um, and perhaps they take, like, next back. Or maybe they, they really thought that Jordan Davis and... Probably true. Probably going to be a Raven, you know, if the Eagles don't step in. Um, you know, and yeah, Jordan Davis is amazing as well. Everything I've read and, and listened to about him is like, it just happens in the NFL draft sometimes where the best players filter down occasionally. It's just for reasons at the time that maybe makes sense, but that you look back in like five or six years, like that was stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice that the Eagles have a guy that people will probably reflect on and be like, that was stupid that he fell outside the top 10. <laughs> like, yep. Um, and they might have two of them. Right. Yeah, Nicobe Dean is interesting because definitely like first-round talent, his concern is the injuries um, and how manageable that is going forward. Um, but, I mean, in terms of like intelligence and athleticism, yeah, that's good. It's a first-round pick that you got at a position of great need that the Eagles have not had. So if that's a guy that can stay healthy, um, which the Eagles – must believe that they and the Eagles have like made bets on guys in the past too you know like with injury issues or coming off big injuries and it's worked decent for them I would say yeah Um, I mean at the linebacker position most more specifically it worked with Jeremiah Trotter right so yeah Nicobe Dean that's that's a great pick as well I mean again this was a guy that was like leading the Georgia defense, which broke a record, like, you know, this yeah. draft. Um, so maybe getting like the smartest guy on the best defense, uh, maybe that's a good choice. You and know, it, you get his best value. friend who made him a better, a better yeah. player in Jordan Davis. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then we also see 
four guys, I believe it was, from South Jersey get drafted or signed as undrafted mm-hmm. free agents, which was awesome. I got to be at Isaiah Pacheco's draft party, walked right in as soon as he was getting drafted, uh, and then seeing the the chief side of things when they make the call and Andy Reid on the phone with him and say, are you alive, Isaiah? <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um, Isaiah gets drafted. Bo Melton from Cedar Creek gets drafted. Isaiah's teammate at Rutgers. Um, Marquise Bell from Bridgeton gets signed as an undrafted free agent by the Cowboys, unfortunately for us. Um, but I know he had uh, some strong meetings with the Cowboys going into the draft. And then uh, Brad Hawkins, who I got a chance to meet when I was at Rowan. I had to do a, a project in Camden for one of my classes, and I had to go to Camden High School and got a chance to meet Brad like a few days after he signed his letter of intent to go play at Michigan. He signed an undrafted free agent contract with the Falcons. Um, and then Kenny Pickett's from North Jersey, people forget. So, yeah, a bunch of Jersey guys getting picked and signed, which is really cool to see. Just kind of the next level of, you know, it, we, we've been around the baseball drafts a ton around here, and now seeing football kind of get recognized is pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, and that's also, too, you know, especially from where we are, youth football was not a thing growing up, really. Mm-hmm. You know, like you had to drive very far away. Now there are a lot more local programs, and I don't think it's a coincidence that you're starting to see the fruits of that already paying off. Uh, you have kids learning from a younger age how to play the game, you know, all those things, rather than, you know, 14-year-old first time ever putting yeah. you know pads on like you know <laughs> um so yeah I, I think that's that's a crucial part too and now these young kids get a chance to see you know two guys doing it that went through the same program yeah. as them with, with jamil demby and then obviously isaiah now um so that's pretty awesome Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already know. You already know. I think that's how it always goes. like 45 minutes and we're at like Chelsea. (laughs) What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Shall we dive into the team that makes our hair gray, makes us have gastroenteritis, and makes us want to break our orbital bones? Well, so it's not really the team. It's mostly the coach. Yeah. Um, Which has been the case for quite some time. Yeah, so um, indignant about DeAndre Jordan again, which is insane. We're going to play him if you like it or not. Well, here's the thing. Most of us do not, and actually the Heat really like it. Yeah, when you played DeAndre Jordan, um, they're one of my favorite sports philosophies is just do whatever the fans of the other team want you to do, do the opposite of it. Mm-hmm. And when Heat fans are celebrating DeAndre Jordan starting these games, it says to me, maybe we shouldn't do that. And then when you look at the plus minus with him on the floor, off the floor, you're like, yeah, this is actually a really, really bad decision, Doc. Yeah. Like maybe we sh- maybe we just shouldn't do this. I do have breaking news, Matt. Uh oh. The Brooklyn Nets say former Philadelphia seventy sixer Ben Simmons will undergo surgery on his back on Thursday. Well, I you know what? I hope his back is okay. Shall we talk about <sighs> a guy <laughs> that is just as frustrating for the Brooklyn Nets and DeAndre Jordan? Um it's it it just sucks. Is it bad that I continually question why we cut Willie Cauley Stein? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, right? So like, Paul Reed 
has looked pretty good in the playoffs yes. in, in moments. And if you look at the the plus minus numbers with Paul Reed, we're better without no center. We've actually been that's the best plus minus we got right. Not that that's necessarily the best lineup we could get, but that's where we found a lot of success in the first game against the Heat. Paul Reed is still a little bit raw, and that is Doc Rivers' fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's you know like self induced issue. He's not had the minutes. You look at the Heat, and they're they're happy to give young guys a lot of time. Duncan Robinson didn't even play in game one, right? But these are guys that were playing, you know, a lot of minutes early on in their career, and it's paying dividends for them. And that was not the case. The biggest to all of this is that you don't have Embiid. I mean, mm-hmm. like you can't. It's so hard to analyze game one and and whatever happens tonight with game two, which just tipped off. It's so hard to analyze any of it when you don't have Embiid because, it's like, yeah, you don't. You're MVP player. Like, <laughs> of course, you're not. It's it was amazing that we were going into halftime like we Up were. By one. Like that's. <laughs> I you know I thought we could make it close. I did not think we'd be really. I, I felt like going into halftime, like, we could win this game. Like that was a yep. winnable game. And there's an awesome account um, called Shot Quality that uh, that I, I found in the last few months, and they do like uh, I mean it's pretty much exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they talk about the shot quality and uh, of shots that you take within a game and what the expected result is, um, and the Sixers actually by shot quality should have won game one wow. uh, based on the quality of shots taken Sixers win 65% of the time heat win 35% of the time the actual score was obviously 106 to 92 heat the shot quality score was 102 to 98 heat and what's cool about this thing too is a lot of advanced stats which just use like baseline players the stats for this are customized to like the individual players oh, based cool. on their so like you know one of the tweets is like you know uh Chris Paul three mid-range is much more efficient than an Alfred Payton mid-range. Mm-hmm. So it, it adjusts for that, too. It's not just like, well, it's not like wins above replacement right. kind of stuff, right? Which is, well, average player would hit this, so there you go. Like, And that's not to say the Sixers were robbed. I'm just saying the Sixers, as not great as it was, were still in getting good looks. We're, yeah, we're in that game. If they're more efficient from three, who knows where that goes. Um, yeah, I, I think it was a, a, in some ways a little bit uncharacteristic from them. The biggest thing is James Harden has to just take more shots. Yes. Your best player on the what should be your best player on the floor, uh, taking only 13 shots in a playoff game, is oh. not not conducive. Um, I like that you know obviously he's leaning into this playmaking stuff. That's great, but just watching DeAndre Jordan get dunked on, that's awesome. Fucking hate my life. <laughs> um, it's just yeah, the DeAndre Jordan stuff is just so hard to move past, and um, not having a bead sucks, and yeah. that's that's the root of it. So. If you can win tonight, if you can find a way to even the series 1-1, and it's, it, we're getting a lot of reports today that Embiid could be back uh, for Game 3. If you can have it 1-1, that'd be amazing. And Especially it, and, and with then Kyle it's, Lowry It's a, a five-game series. Yeah. yeah, Lowry's out. He's Even if he's back, you know he's going to be struggling through. Um, Jimmy wasn't amazing in Game 1, and he's no. had some knee issues so far. These, but like, the Heat are also not playing necessarily at full strength either. So if you can make it happen tonight and you've you've played i think well enough to win a game it's not like they've mm-hmm. they got their doors blown off here like they were in that game competitive i just read you the shot quality stats they were good they were good in that game um i also found this shot quality they, they have this really nice graphic um this is a nba playoff coaches after timeout uh plays uh so it's just like shot quality points you know out of, out of timeout plays um not only do the sixers have the second most plays run after a uh, run after a timeout with 23 um so they have a, a good sample size here um they're, they're only averaging 0.89 shot quality points out of that uh which is not not close to the top <laughs> the bulls the pelicans raptors hawks and bucks surprisingly um are in last place on this metric that's not good enough <laughs> um so and that the Doc conversation has reignited again, and I'm not surprised nope. because I think it only quelled a little bit because the Sixers, you know, really bulldozed the Raptors in those first few games, and it felt like, you know, things have changed, right? And some of that, again, was Embiid was playing, and that, that covers up a lot of this, this team's warts. Um, and I just, you know, now you're seeing it again. You're not you're seeing him against Spolscher, and Spolscher is a very good coach. Mm-hmm. And I think is is outworking Doc in, in some ways, and that's what concerns me though for the series 
going forward is Spolster's the better coach. That matters. And we saw it with Nick Nurse in the last years, right? Where it's like Nick Nurse started to get a little hold. And, it, you know, it just takes a, a great performance by Harden and Embiid in uh, in Game 6 that just it breaks their backs. We were just too much for them at that point. You know, they, they ran out of gas in that second half and just ultra-efficient. So, listen, it, the the bottom line is if you can if you can steal Game 2 here, not even steal, because I, I don't even think it would be a steal necessarily. Yeah. Like, you know, like they, they've played well enough. Um, but if you can win Game 2, you're split. It's a five-game series then, and you're getting Embiid back. Um, thankfully, <laughs> the orbital bone break was just insane that that has happened to a guy that's Twice. as tall as he is, too, by the way. Yeah. Like, if you could pick an injury for like, a large human being, the, I think the last place you would pick would be his face. Because yeah. how? <laughs> Even NBA players, how do you reach up there? It just happens to him somehow. And it's so stupid. Um, but that's an injury at least. You know, he's already played through the thumb thing, and he's been, f- like, fine, like, playing that. Like, mm-hmm. he really hasn't looked, su- like, super diminished. There's been some times where you definitely notice it, but yeah. um, by all accounts, it seems like he's able to play through that. And the orbital bone is just he has to play with a mask, mm-hmm. which we know he didn't like last time. He hated wearing the mask last time. Um, and there's no Justice Winslow to try and stomp on it and break <laughs> it this time for the Heat. So that's good, at least. You don't have to worry about that. But Ironic that it's against the Heat twice. Right. Um and then potential Celtics matchup. Oh. <laughs> um, I, yeah, so I, I just think, you know, at, at least it's not an injury where it's like the knee last year, right? Where you're just kind of like any moment it could get worse or really like mobility limiting. It's He just has to have a mask on, and I, I think he can he can work and play through that. So, um, yeah, that's that's the hope. That's just what you have to believe if you're the Sixers right now. Uh, I just had a fun game pop in my head that we could play here since we were talking about DeAndre Jordan. Um the answer is any other center. Uh I would take it's worse than Boban. I was gonna say let's rank it's the worse backup than centers in Embiid's career. Worse than Boban. Uh which should be fun to talk about. Uh it's brought to you by our pals over at Bino. The boards came in. Uh very excited to uh Get some Bino going on our YouTube channel. You guys can go to BinoBoard.com. That's B-I-N-H-O-B-O-A-R-D.com and use code BinoUSP for 10% off your entire order from our pals over at Bino. Do they, does Bino make backup centers? <laughs> they, anything. I mean, they, they have the elastic that bounces better than DeAndre Jordan. Yes. That's for damn sure. Um, number five, backup center in Bede's career that we have seen Let's just say from the, the, the playoff era, which was, you know, 2017-2018, who would you put at number five? Um, DeAndre Jordan. I mean, it's like he's he's among the worst. Like, not even just, like, backup centers. Like, in terms of just, like, fringe. Like, this is a guy that arguably shouldn't be Be in the the league anymore. Like, it's, it's bad. Which is scary that we've now had two of those guys back up Joel Embiid. In the postseason, yeah, uh, I agree. I think DeAndre number one w- for me would be Drummond. Yes, um, and then yeah, I think Boban is four. Boban was o- is only slightly better. <laughs> I think Boban's three actually. Who would you have? Greg Monroe. Yeah, to me, like it's just a gradient. Like, yeah, Drummond is where you'd like to be for a backup center, right. and pretty much everyone else is not. And it sucks, right? So, like, obviously, Daryl has talked about the backup center, especially with the team with Embiid. And he's not wrong when he says this, too. I think sometimes now people want to, like, beat him over the head with this. Mm-hmm. But you don't plan a roster, like, with the idea that your best player is going to get hurt. Right. And, like, have a con- you can't have a contingency plan for anything. And I don't think he's wrong in saying that your value as a team, because when, pl- when you're planning your team out, you're planning with everyone healthy, and this is just how it's going to work. You're better off, yeah, like, moving some resources from that backup center spot to someone that can be an impact player through any of the four other positions that you have to fill, you know, not backing up your MVP because let's face it too. If Embiid is out, there's nothing like the team is not winning a championship with no Embiid, like obviously, whereas a team with no Tobias Harris, perhaps, or Ben Simmons this year, right. Is he can still salvage itself and work towards something. So it's, it sucks. It just sucks that, you know, we haven't been able to find something, and it sucks too because we have Paul Reed, who is probably something, but was not given the opportunity. And I, I just don't understand the DeAndre Jordan signing to this 
day still. I don't understand why why he was the selection. And I don't understand why Willie Cauley-Stein got absolutely zero chance to prove himself, essentially. Because at least he can play defense. Right. Um, yeah, and I just think the Paul Reed stuff. Hopefully, you know, that maybe it's like Maxie last year, right? Where it's like we were screaming all year, like, more, like, Maxie, please. And we got, he got a little run in the playoffs. And then, you know, this year, you know, is actually able to take off. And part of that is because Ben Simmons isn't around. But at least, you know, if we're looking forward to next year, Paul Reed, maybe... Hopefully you know. Charles Bassey. Right. I just, you know, this is why you play your guys in the regular season. Also like, totally forgot about Amir Johnson. Amir Johnson was pretty nice. He's probably he's probably in that like number two, three range for me. He's near the he's near the, the top of the scale. Not amazing either though. No. But Paul, you know what? Paul Millsap, who wasn't Awful. even getting played by Awful. <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets for two months yet. Awful. Hey, let's take him. Truly awful. <laughs> Bad. Another guy that shouldn't be on an NBA roster. Right no. Now. No. Remember Rashawn Holmes, man? I do. Good times. I do remember Rashawn Holmes. Good times. Rashawn Holmes, New Orleans well. Christian Woods. <laughs> we were good at the big guys, man. We were good at the big guys. Would you take Jaw right now? <laughs> uh, i take vegan Jaw. <laughs> like, no, I'm, I'm oh contemplating taking Jaleel Okafor over DeAndre Jordan right now. You might have just named the other in the center that I think would play worse defense. My goodness. I think that's the only other guy you could reasonably get that would probably be just as bad in, like, a, like net rating. Good grief. Again, the whole podcast hosted by Stephen McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GetInTheWholePod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. It's bad that that's where we're at, though. Yeah, we're pining for like Jaleel pining Okafor. for Julia Okafor and Willie Cauley Stein. Yeah, well, what's Mehmet Okor up to these days? Give you some of that. It's. I mean, it's just bad. It's it so bad. It's so bad. And it's it the the frustrating part about it too, and like you said, like Daryl's talked about how you don't build a roster with you know the intention of your superstar player getting injured, but this is now five straight seasons that the backup center has been an issue. Yeah, whether it's roster construction or coaching decisions, it's been an issue. And the Embiid stuff is so unlucky. It's. <laughs> It's so unlucky. Like, what are the like in the last few minutes of a game where he played amazing, close out this team, and just gets his face broken? Like, it's so annoying. It's so annoying. This dude's just like, and it's crazy because like he goes the whole season. Yeah. Fine, and then it's just like just, and it's always something just like stupid. Yes. The thumb. The thumb. The face. The the dunk last year that gets a little out of control against the Wizards. Markel Fultz running into him. Like, God. Just damn. once. Just once. It's just so, so unlucky. So unlucky. But maybe, I, I still think they're in this series. I, you know. Yeah. It, Miami I, has not blown me away. Miami's, like, like they're a Bam, very good team. Bam I don't has wanna, been the most impressive, yeah. I think, of Which, this if you have Embiid, is diminished. Right. I don't want to, like, say that Miami haven't been good, but they are not, like... World beaters. We're not playing, like, the 15-16 Warriors here, right? right. Like, we're playing a, a very good team that I think we can contend with and that if, you know, Embiid is playing in game one, probably goes different, right? And once we get Embiid back, I'm confident this team... I, I think we can beat the Heat twice at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it obviously, it's a challenge still because you, you still have such a... a a tough road to climb and they have home court advantage but i think the other two teams playing in the east right now are better than the heat yes i would i would like i would if you were making me choose still between the bucks celtics heat to play i would be choosing the heat yeah, not that percent i'm saying the heat are bad but i'm just saying out of those three teams yes also shout out to bias harris yeah shout out to bias he's been harris. fantastic uh, shall we get into Survivor, Matt? Oh, shit. Maybe our, you shall. Our buffs and snuffs Survivor talk for the real ones at home. Um, 
quite the episode last week. Two two tribal councils, two immunity necklaces, and quite the conversation about real life. It's always interesting when you get to the uh, when you get to the vote and there's like 35 minutes in the episode left. It's like something something's, something's popping off. Um, so I I don't love the uh, I always kind of hate when they split the tribes like yeah. this early in the and you get like I like the idea of double elimination. That's cool. But then to put I them just, back into teams, I hate when they get split. That just ah, it just sucks because uh, I always feel like someone gets burned for that. Um, and there was someone I, I did feel Tori. I felt got burned by that in, in this episode. Um, and there's just you know there's usually a casualty of that that just sucks. And man, I I just I wish it was like I don't mind the double vote, but I wish it was just like vote one big one. one big unit. I get why they do it. I understand, but yeah. the, that aspect just kind of sucked for for me personally. Um, and then, yeah, so Roxroy is planting the seeds of wanting an all-male uh, alliance, uh, tells Omer this, tells Hi this, and both of them are, like, not really, <laughs> not really interested in, the, like, the dude's alliance. Um, Welcome back to Survivor 22. And I just think that was a bad read by Roxroy. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you tell Mike and Jonathan that, and they're, they're in, and fair enough. And I think that makes sense. If you were asking me what dudes would be into an all dudes alliance, it would have been those three. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and Omer is right because he says, you know, they're all more likely to win challenges than he is. Um, so why would he do that right. <laughs> exactly? Um, you know, and I just I just think it was a the, the, not the best read by Roxroy, and they saw an opportunity to get someone out that they felt like uh, was a potential issue for them later. Um, I did like what Mike said, though, and I think it's true, is that he'd already given Roxroy his word, didn't mm-hmm. want to vote him out because of that, and that could lead to issues, and based off the preview tonight, it seems like that could be unfolding. So Mike was right, at least in my mind right now, that they, they shouldn't have done it, that they should have just stuck with Romeo. And I agree. Romeo, easy out, done, no worries whatsoever. You could probably still get Roxroy out. Yeah. I, I don't know that they had to, to press the issue um, as much as they did. Um and I don't think High quite realized that Omer essentially incepted him to do that, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he was wide awake the whole time. Uh, Omer, like from the shadows, I think has been doing a lot of really good work. Yeah. And I just wonder if people catch on to that. Um, yeah. And then you know, Roxroy's gone, and uh, they do the thing where they bring the other tribe in, and they get to see who was voted out, which we've seen frequently does influence mm-hmm. the next tribe. Like it, that is one. Th- that is one gimmick that it, I think is always done what i think the producers wanted to do which is like introduce some chaos into tribal and i do think if romeo is sitting there instead of roxbury i think drea is going home because drea was yeah. the vote going into that well maybe she would have played her idol um and I, I think you know she's smart so she probably sensed that she could be gone um because she was already getting like conflicting information she had already sniffed it out before tribal even that mm-hmm. she might have to play her idol um and that you know things things seemed a little weird because Jonathan and his <laughs> ever bounding intelligence <laughs> um, did not think about the fact that they wanted to cast votes for Marianne but get Drea out. But if Drea plays Rydal, then Marianne would go go home, yeah. and didn't understand how telling Drea, who everyone either knows has an idol or at least knows that, that she has advantages, that they're voting for Marianne because she has an idol. That's suspicious. <laughs> because <sighs> so didn't figure that one out um so yeah drea drea sniffed through that one um but yeah she was and roxroy too was like a close ally of hers as well mm-hmm. and they, they had bonded for sure um so there was like she had a very um emotional reaction to seeing roxroy on, on the uh on the jury and uh opened up a discussion about race and how uh, black people are portrayed or viewed or characterized on the show or how you know frequently and we have seen this on survivor where minorities tend to not make it far in the game we had this discussion last season as well um and it's it's tough because it's you know what they're right you know like and they also i always tend to whatever the players say Mm -hmm. or whatever they feel or whatever they say happened or, or whatever like I trust them because they're there. <laughs> they're they're experiencing it and living it. So I'm not going to diminish their experience. Um, it sucks because 
I think there's valid reasons for like Roxroy being right. voted out. I think there's a valid reason for why Dreo is being voted out. But I also I can see a hundred percent how that looks. Yeah. And how, and and this was I, again a discussion that we had a lot last season where a lot of the black contestants felt that they had to like act a certain way and like really be mindful of how they talked and that you know because there there are stereotypes and there are there are things that just get associated with them that are unfair and it's tough you know like they have this they're having to play two games where they're having to play survivor but also like play as a character of themselves mm-hmm. and like kind of like maybe diminish some some traits of theirs or or ways that they speak and um yeah it's really challenging um and i just you know i in one way i, I think it's good that we're, we're getting the diversity cast for this reason yes. right because you're getting much more honest and open conversation because this is not just survivor either this no. is like you could say anything Dre and marianne said in that tribal council and apply that to the office right. or at school in the classroom wherever and it's the same where people of color do have a tendency have to like feel like they have to hide themselves or act totally on the straight line because any swaying off that is treated much more harshly or you know they, they feel they don't get the same opportunities and those are true things like those are true things things that they experience like this is a broader discussion than just survivor yes 100 percent. and uh we see tori go home as well and i felt bad for tori too, but you know like it's just it sucks you know like it it, it kind of just sucked all the way around uh I, I felt bad for tori because it felt like she like and this is the thing <laughs> part with the split thing where it's yeah. like she just ended up on a tribe too where it was like not a lot to work with where um, i feel like if they were all voting as one big unit tori probably goes home yeah and then you know it, it's much to do about really nothing from but i think you you've gained so much from having a conversation like we did from the second tribal council and i think it'll make the rest of the season that much more you know just open and honest with everybody who's left in the game and then it's gonna make you know that final tribal council that much more interesting yeah um tough tough night for jonathan uh because tough episode episode, um really got worried when uh when he was having the conversation with drea and um i so here's the thing i think jonathan without stereotyping right but he's a big southern boy um He's just, and he's also like an older guy. I don't know exactly how old Jonathan is. He's probably like in his mid thirties, I would guess. Like maybe like early thirties, late twenties. I don't know. But I, anyway, I just think not everyone is necessarily totally equipped with the emotional intelligence. He's twenty nine, so not everyone is like totally equipped. Looks a little older for his age. <laughs> All the put some suntan lotion on, yeah. Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> um. I think sometimes people forget, and especially in online spaces, that not everyone reacts to those types of conversations and situations the way you should. Right. <laughs> you know, and not everyone has been. A, do you think John? And I'm not again. I'm not trying to stare, but I'm just being honest. Do you think John has ever had a conversation like that in no. his life? And that's why it's good. Like, he's having that conversation. Now he's had that experience. And now it's like... I think his reactions were more just out of ignorance. Yes. I don't think he was being, like... Malicious. Malicious. I think he was... I think he genuinely thought, too, that they were... And they weren't necessarily accusing anyone of of being racist, right? They were were really making that point. But just that they feel like they have to change who they are and that there's certain stereotypes that they have to work against. I think he genuinely thought that they were thinking that they were racist for wanting to vote whoever out um, and felt maybe like upset by that because, you know, Dre even said like they have a good relationship. That's not him, mm-hmm. whatever you like. So I was, <laughs> I was just worried because Jonathan before this was being really just train tracks over Lindsay, uh, who was saying such smart things. Yes. It's like, she's dude, just like sh- shut up and listen. Cause you have, Jonathan had a good plan. Like Jonathan's plan of going for Drea based on the reasons he laid out. The, yeah, that's it's a not smart a fully move. Executed plan. That's a that's a smart move. But you also had like when you tell your ally and they're like, okay, that's good. But like, here's how we have to play this. And you're like, no. And you like refuse to listen. You gotta just listen. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta listen. Sometimes, and we can say this is white dudes too. Sometimes white dudes you just gotta shut up and listen. Yeah. That's it. Hundred percent. It's easy. 
<laughs> silence is you easy. learn more that way <laughs> you just sometimes you just got to shut up and listen and i think i think jonathan did in the end shut up and listen a little yeah. bit but listen to Lindsay, dude she knew what she was talking yeah. about she's smart she Come had your on. best interest there God, you know what like she, she understood relationships better than you just let her <laughs> i'm impressed by Lindsay. Uh, very much she had, she had a good episode um north northeast firefighters and jersey girls dude what i'm do telling you, know? you that's that's the recipe uh so who you got in your three up three down oh man uh three up omer's got to be up there he's just yeah. getting his way however he wants at, at any at any time uh i think drea still has to be in my top three for me uh obviously doesn't have an idol anymore neither does marianne drea um, still has she has the knowledge is power, power she has that first day advantage which i don't quite remember the rules on exactly it's, but that is shared with high and Lindsay. and it gets more power does she still have her extra vote as well possibly i believe she's still she's still advantage queen yeah, she's <laughs> and, King's uh, ransom of, and you know like again has shown her good first day advantage gets more power when, when the others get voted out. yes uh, which hasn't happened yet right those three mm-hmm. are still there um the, th- the final third spot is, is tough here um I think we all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons but what if i told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football baseball basketball or hockey come join me dom ponteri and harrison kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the outside the box podcast talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Michael Mike, high has worried me a little bit in just how much he's been swayed. Yeah. Um, Jonathan, last episode, outside of you know, just even the tribal stuff, I think has now shown him himself to his alliance to maybe not be like the most intelligent i think people are like might see jonathan gone in the next two votes just because mm-hmm. it's like let's just get him out of here while we can and you know before because he, he won immunity last time i wonder how different that discussion is maybe if jonathan is, is not wearing the necklace of yeah. course but um yeah jonathan i think uh has just shown to me maybe not not the broad scope that mm-hmm. you want yeah i, I got omer uh mike and dre in my top three as well bottom three uh just basing it off of last week jonathan i think is in the bottom three um i think marianne is still there and and romeo are are still there yeah romeo i I think on the bottom uh marianne is probably probably in in the bottom for me mostly because she got she had she used her idol used her idol and i think again it's just shown like Anytime your alliance is willing to throw your name out, yeah, that's tough. tough. That's tough. Um, man, bottom three is tough to figure out because a lot of people in this are. I think I'll just have to move high to bottom three. I just I'm worried about his place in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he just he said something last week which I thought was interesting, where he said that the emotional vote would have been Romeo, but the smart vote is Roxroy. I actually think it was the exact opposite. Yeah, you were gonna vote out Romeo and it made sense to everyone and you went against really like Mike did not want to do that you went against the wishes of your alliance member for someone else Mm -hmm. and to me that's the emotional vote like you got emotionally involved with the idea of getting rid of Roxroy as opposed to Romeo which was the smart clean vote and sometimes that's I think it's one of the issues with Survivor sometimes is people want to play like the big home run. It's like yeah. sometimes the easy vote is just the vote. Right. You don't you don't always have to blindside. You don't gotta overthink it all the time. Sometimes, sometimes the easy vote works. I, and I think that could be a fork in the road for high. I yeah. really do. But he's still, you know, plenty to make up. I just think based off that, I'm a little worried. Hundred percent. And uh I think last thing we'll end on too, because you know, sometimes there there's those topics, Matt, that we just have to bring up on this show. Uh the the Roe v. Wade stuff jesus <laughs> men shouldn't be making decisions about women's bodies <laughs> yeah the my body my choice keep that same energy if you were doing that shit about the vaccine but <laughs> remember like uh seven minutes when i go it's like especially as white dudes sometimes you just gotta shut up and listen yeah 
instead of even just listening, just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like just and, and a lot of you shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, some of you shut the fuck up. Uh it will make you listen. <laughs> um yeah, uh obviously terrible day for human rights in our country because that's what this is about. Um and it is a dangerous sliding path. It's even worse shit. Mm-hmm. So um your vote matters, but also it doesn't, <laughs> but you know, like it, you know, we have to, democracy is not a promise and these rights that you fight for are not promised forever and you have to fight for them. Um, and that's the unfortunate reality. So we need better leaders in this country and we need to stop having geriatrics run this country. Yep. Um, I'm tired of <laughs> looking up senators ages and presidents ages and they're all born in the the forties and fifties. Um, we need younger, better, smarter leadership. Um, it sucks. It, there's, there's nothing more you can say. It's just a brutal, brutal blow. Yeah. Um, shout out to all the badass women out there, though. Shout out to all the badass women out there. Um, big thank you to all of you guys for tuning in. Make sure you're following us on the socials at Underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Pulling up the receipts from Top Ends today. Pulled up the receipts because uh, there's been one thing that we have said about Madrid all year. It's that they are the zombie team. You have to double tap them in the forehead like it's zombie land. You have to. And today, I'll set the scene. 90th minute. They need two goals to, uh, to, to tie it up to send it to extra time. They get a goal. 87 seconds later, I think, they score the second. Score two goals within like two minutes. Wow! In the essentially really the last two minutes of the game, uh, to to extend it and then get a penalty and they're off to the final. So Liverpool Real Madrid in the Champions League final. But Real Madrid, you cannot. There's something mystical, and I'm shitting my pants now because now I have to reckon with it. Um, now I have to live with the narrative that I've built, which is this team just refuses to lose somehow, even though they've deserved to lose three straight rounds. Um, they're just. Whatever they do, black magic, I don't know what it is. But, yeah, uh, look forward to, to breaking that down with Dom next week. So tune in to Top Bins, and you guys can do that uh, by subscribing to the podcast feeds. If you search Underground Sports Philadelphia, you find all of them there. Uh, follow Matt, though, on Twitter for all that good stuff, at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Helps more people find the show. And, of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search Underground Sports Philadelphia. Uh, You get every single podcast in video form every single day of the week except for Wednesdays and Saturdays and Sundays. So pretty much, you know, you're getting constant content. And hit the like button. uh, Click the bell icon so you don't miss a single episode. And, of course, comment. Uh, all your thoughts on the state of Philadelphia sports and everything that's been going on recently with your favorite teams. And a uh, big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, Tomahawk Shades. Go to TomahawkShades.com and use promo code USP for 25% off your entire order from our pals at Tomahawk Shades. And of course, Kenwood Beer. Go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And please drink responsibly. This has been episode number 426 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. We're getting the hell out of here. And until next time, we are signing off. Peace. Peace.